Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and a therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. So Josh, today I know that we're going to be talking about the things that we might feel or sense but are unseen. And a lot of times people give up on things that they can't see come to fruition or that they don't know what's going to happen. And I was curious, what in this very moment do you just want to give up on? Life. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. What do I want to give up on in this very moment? Hmm. That's a tricky question Mm -hmm. because I feel like there are things things that I get frustrated with. Sure. And some of it's not because I don't see things coming to fruition, but it's like my own time management. So like there are days where I don't want to edit <laughs> these podcasts anymore because I'm I have <laughs> a thousand other things to do and all of them equally as pressing. Yep. There are days when I want to give up doing hair. I mean, even though it's once a month, Mm -hmm. I, again, want to be filling that time with other things that are more pressing in my mind. But my clients who get their hair done would beg to differ that getting their hair done is pretty pressing too. Right. But, uh, But yeah, probably right now would be those two things kind of weave in and out Mm -hmm. and usually it's the hair thing more especially the week of me going (laughs) to do hair then when I get there I'm just like oh this isn't bad yeah but yeah and it's interesting as I hear you talk about it like those are things you already know that you're like you might get frustrated with and you want to give up on and my things are the same like I want to give up on chores I don't want to do dishes. I don't want to do laundry. I don't want to cook anymore, Mm -hmm. even though I know I will continue to do all of those things. And so it's more of like the heaviness that goes with all of that responsibility. And I know that when we were talking about like things unseen, these were things that we may have like planted or like ideas that we may have had that we aren't seeing come to fruition. And there's at some point in the process wanting to give up on those. Yeah. And sometimes I feel that too. Mm-hmm. Like things that I might put energy into or things that I desire and I don't see like any movement on them or I see things regress. And on certain days, I just don't even want to engage in it. Well, I mean, in that regard, like there are a couple things like every once in a while, like I. I mean, especially this past year, like I literally started building my private practice three weeks before we had to isolate and quarantine. Right. So trying to be a beginning therapist through quarantine has been Mm -hmm. really challenging. And there have been a lot of times, as you can attest, because I've bitched and cried and all of the above to you (laughs) about like the process and how hard it's been for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so there 
definitely is like this idea of what I want my practice to look like. And between the time starting and even sometimes now, like, I'm like, is this really like, is the universe trying to tell me something like, (laughs) is this really what I should be doing? And then like, I have really good sessions or I'm like really in the flow of things and things don't seem that bad. But yeah, I can totally see like the idea of giving up on things that just because I can't see the purpose of them in this moment. Right. I'm also like on a, I don't want to say weight loss journey, but weight loss journey kind of trying to help myself get a little bit more healthy. Yep. And this week at weigh-in, I was up 1.6 pounds. Granted, like we had a big holiday dinner that had been postponed and then when I weighed myself this morning I was like back to like 0.2 pounds from what I was last week so I was like okay (laughs) the world is not ending but yeah there are times when I'm just like f it like this isn't working Mm -hmm. that's how I kind of feel about meditation sometimes I really want to be good at meditating And I want to be good at like centering and having like this practice of, you know, being grounded in the present moment. And sometimes maybe even for like a couple weeks, I just have no interest and I try to do something else. um, But it doesn't make sense the way I think it's supposed to make sense. And so I just want to give up. Yeah. And then eventually I come back to it. But... It's hard. It I is think hard. that's normal. I would say it is. I mean, we are in some ways finding the limits that we've always set for ourselves and in a way kind of pushing through them. Mm-hmm. So I think that is completely normal. Pushing through the limits. This is hard. Yep, it is hard but maintaining the focus and doing what you feel you need to do for yourself is pushing through those limits that a lot of us have always found. Like if it's hard, then it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, because if things were easy, everyone would do them. Sure. I remember when I was in gymnastics, that was one of the things that my coaches always used to say, because I was like, oh my gosh, like whatever we were doing, I was like, this is really hard. He's like, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Hmm. So it's okay that it's hard. Mm-hmm. And the diligence and the practice comes through pushing through those hard moments. I think it's hard to push through the things that have been built up. And what I mean by that are like, we build behaviors or we build like understanding of emotion or we build like certain thought patterns or we build our understanding of our sensory environment or like our internal environment and part of our brain thinks that we have to keep that consistent or the same in order to stay safe like we've talked about and so what I hear is talking about here is how we push through those things that we have built and come to a different understanding in order to go further. And I think it's especially difficult with emotion. And I know that we've talked about how emotion is different than a felt sense. You first experience the felt sense within your body, 
which then gets translated into an emotion, a thought, a behavior, or your understanding of your senses. As you were talking, like what I think of is those moments when I was in gymnastics and I was learning a new skill and it was hard. And, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's the idea that you are learning to use muscles that you haven't used before. Or if you have, using them in a certain sequence and with other muscles that you haven't used together with them so that you can do this certain thing. And, I mean, it's the same type of principle. Like you are flexing and using different quote-unquote metaphorical muscles, whether in your mind, emotionally, in your sensory body, or whatever, to do these things that you haven't done before. And if you have done certain things, components of those things, but maybe not ever together. So that muscle group are trying to learn how to work together in a way to where doing it repetitively over and over will build that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I completely agree that our felt sense often is, well, usually felt first and is translated into some type of emotion. And that does not always mean that our translator is correct. Yeah, that's very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Because then it's hard to know what to know or how to understand it. Because those muscles, which you can't see, how, how they're working together, you can't even see. And then somehow that gets translated into something else. Like the story that I'm, I might be out of shape or the story that, oh, I did it wrong and I, now my muscles hurt. Or the story of I'm going to get really strong tomorrow because, you know, my muscles ache in this way. Or like whatever that expression is, whether it be a thought, a story, a feeling, or an emotion, sorry. It's that translation, and you're right. Our translators sometimes don't get it completely accurately. I mean, our translators are based on our perception, and our perceptions are based upon our experience. So the things we've experienced may have skewed our perception of like what really may be happening in front of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like if I feel anxious, quote unquote anxious, in a time where I should be celebrating, I'm going to start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really anxious, where really that may be excitement, but because you've never been in a situation where you've been able to like be excited and understand that like what excitement feels like, all that excitement energy gets translated sometimes inappropriately and sometimes appropriately like doing something new can be very anxiety inducing but also like we miss the entire perspective that this is excitement and excitement Mm -hmm. can feel make you feel jittery too right yeah it can be both yep i really like that as a like a therapy offering is that a lot of times what we are experiencing it is the both and instead of either or right that's been one thing that I have been working on in my personal life is to refrain from using the word but Hmm. 
and to use the word and instead. Yeah. And that's something that you and Beth have both, like, especially when I was in my internship, I remember always in supervision <laughs> with Beth, you know, it's, she would say something and I'm like, but, and she's like, and, and I was like, and, <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah. So, so now with my clients, especially like it is very much like, and both can be, like you said, mm-hmm. both can be true. Right. And I think that's such a powerful space to be in, to recognize that, yes, I am feeling, experiencing whatever this way or this thing. And the other thing, the other side, the whatever can also be true. Mm-hmm. And I think that in and of itself can be really game changing for a lot of people because it's always one side or the other, like black or white. It's never, it can be black and white and both are okay. (laughs) And they could be gray. (laughs) Right. I do think that regardless of the process that we're in or what, what it is that we're doing, especially if we are trying to learn to do something new, Mm-hmm. And we don't always see the the benefit in the weight. Like it is normal to feel frustrated. It is normal to feel to get discouraged. It is normal right. to want to give up. But I think that it's in those moments of waiting and in those moments of uncertainty that build the resilience needed in order to kind of truly encapsulate the thing that you're wanting so it builds resiliency to truly encapsulate the thing that you're wanting yeah because you're learning a lot of really valuable skills during that waiting period yeah you're learning to be okay with things not being okay you're learning to be okay with things not being as you expected or or whatever the case may be and i think that learning those things on your way to being where it is that you want to be is really important and helps you appreciate what it is that you are working for when it comes to fruition. I mean, if, and I'm going, I'm using the gymnastics thing today. Sorry. That's fine. If I'm doing a stunt and I fall on my face, like, yes, it may hurt. But I'm appreciating every, okay, because now I've just learned something new. Now I need to know, now I know that I need to spin a little faster or I need to jump a little higher. So you're learning something at every, along the way. And I think that those things are really important. I mean, but what I will say is from my own experience, those moments of waiting are really, really hard. Or at least they yeah, are for I think- me. Absolutely. No, I think that is across the board. The moments of waiting are very difficult because it does bring up that uncertainty. And I mean, from my, my experience, it brings up a lot of doubt. Yeah. Like, should I, shouldn't I, could I, would have, like, would I have? And all of those teeter-tottering experiences of figuring out, well, what am I supposed to do next? When really I might not need to do anything. <laughs> right. It's funny, like throughout this process, 
especially the past few months, I follow this like daily horoscopy thing on Instagram and it seems like the moments that I'm just like, okay, F this, like I need to like, do I need to be finding something else? Something that's like, you get this much money every week or every two weeks and I don't have to worry about it and yada yada. And then like, I would find this thing that's like, you are exactly where you need to be. I'm like, okay, I'm exactly where I need to be. (laughs) So, I mean, whether it's like coincidence or synchronistic or it's just chance that I saw this thing and I was interpreting it in a way that made sense to me to stay stay on the course like Mm -hmm. but whatever it was like it helped me recognize that if I want something then I have to be willing to move through the challenging times to get there yeah I don't know in my brain all magic has a cost and if I'm trying to create something in my brain that's kind of magic then I have to be willing to sacrifice or pay the price. And part of that price is right now, you don't get it. So if you really want it, (laughs) how much do you want it? What are you willing, how long are you willing to wait for it to come? And I mean, I feel like I've waited and things are coming Mm -hmm. more quickly than I expected at this point, which I'm grateful for, but it's also been (laughs) a little while. But I mean, and I think that it morphs and changes. Like, I don't think that it's like, well, I've waited this long. So I think that in a sense, like there are layers to it. Like, you, I don't know. It's like I learned to be okay with waiting and something happened, something changed. And when I learned to be okay with those changes and be grateful for those changes and see that things are changing and in the direction that I want, then maybe something else will come. So it's just like this constant evolutionary thing for me in my process and the journey is like I'm growing at every like every stage and mm-hmm. just trying to be as present as I can as hard as that can be sometimes. Yeah. To like how I can be taking care of myself and how I can in the moments of being really frustrated trying to find okay so this is my frustration so how can I be seeing this in a way that's helping me rather than pulling me down this rabbit hole Josh even as I hear your process it reminds me how complex our systems are like how much thought and feeling and emotion and sensing and behavior like there's so much that goes on all at once. And I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I'm like, in other practices that I've participated in, it's like, be the flower, you know, be the bird on a limb, like envisioning yourself in like a nature perspective where there's just ease or there is the appearance of ease that things will just change and morph and grow and you go with the flow. And we are not that simple. <laughs> not at all. I mean, if I could be anything with ease, it would be my dog. Because she sleeps with great ease. <laughs> Anywhere. All the time. But yeah. There are so many things that are happening, like you said, all at one time. 
mm-hmm. feelings and sensing and interpreting and thoughts that go with that and not to mention what you actually are having to do versus what you want right. to be doing and all of the emotions and feelings and thoughts between both worlds and trying to meld them together and yeah I don't know like in this moment I can recognize the beauty in the systems we've created but Mm -hmm. sometimes I also recognize that the systems we've created are not always helpful sure absolutely I think in the systems that we have created we get the opportunity to learn that discernment of figuring out on that teeter-totter of whether it be anxiety or doubt or feeling regressed or whatever it is, how we decipher where we want to stand in that space. And I, I do think that makes a difference, even if we are uncomfortable in standing in that space. Right. Like if I, if I know I'm experiencing anxiety, then how can I trust my felt sense of what I'm anxious over? Instead of getting stuck in the emotion thinking, I'm never going to get out of this. This is never going to go away. It's always going to be like this. I mean, that that is an old system. And kind of what I hear you saying is we have to, in some way, find a way to ground in the midst of the emotional interpretations we're making from our senses. Yeah, Absolutely. And to, in some way, recognize or be okay with how we are sensing our experience versus how we are interpreting and feeling or emotionally feeling from that experience. Is that right? I think it is a deciphering of the interpretation. That felt sense versus the interpretation interpretation of the emotion or the thought that comes after. And I think this is the, a really tricky thing because what I've noticed for myself, the more that I kind of give into that interpretive feeling or those thoughts that I just want to keep moving through and cycling through that ruminating, like I get trapped. Yep. And that's when I feel like I can't get out of that doubtful feeling, that uncertainty, that scary anxiety, or that thought that this is never going to end, what's the point, like blah, 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 fill in the blank. And in those moments of sensing something, and even if I do interpret in some way emotionally or thoughtfully, Being able to find a way to ground into my reality, like, okay, this is really what's going on, like, this is where I'm at, are my thoughts and are my emotions helping, are they lying to me, (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. versus... what are they trying to tell me? Yeah, versus what I'm really feeling, I mean, because what I may really be feeling is disappointment. Mm Mm-hmm. And that disappointment's leading to doubt, and that doubt is leading to, well, why are you doing this? Just give up and do something different. Well, I'm disappointed because I thought that this was going to be different. Mm -hmm. So how can I show up for myself in that moment of disappointment to actually grow and 
support myself so that I can contain and kind of maintain in the midst of the space that I'm in. It's hard to make our brains make sense of things that we don't completely see or that haven't completely come to fruition. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, this is hard work. But the thing of it is, is like in the midst of it, I mean, theoretically, it's hard. I mean, even empirically, like actually doing it, sometimes it's really hard. Mm -hmm. But the crazy thing is, is that we do it all the time. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I can't say that I always do it well, (laughs) but I always get through it. (laughs) For a long time, I thought that I understood grounding. And then I started to learn that grounding meant I was fully present to whatever was actually happening. And I know that sounds like very simplified, but a lot of times, like if I were thinking certain like positive thoughts and I thought I was grounded, nope, what well, still wasn't grounded. Right. <laughs> or if I was, you know, participating in, in like a certain practice or like, working out or drinking water. Yeah, that, that'll help me be grounded. But if I still did not experience my body in that space, or my thoughts did not redirect into what was actually happening around me or inside of me, I wasn't grounded. Right. And that's been a huge shift in how like I've practiced grounding or how I've taught people grounding Because we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're doing things that actually bring us back to the present moment. But if our sensory experience is taking us elsewhere, if our emotions are showing up, if our thoughts are like populating in the midst of doing whatever skill or task or behavior that might be supportive to us, then then it's not really grounding. I mean, because we can say we're grounded and start trying to be really positive and then all we're doing is really avoiding. Mm-hmm. Or we can catch the cycle of sensationalizing the doom and gloom of it. Yep. Or, I mean, like you said, we can be drinking water. Yep, I can be drinking water right now. But, like, are you really being in the moment with whatever it is that you're feeling? Are you really able to be with that disappointment, that upset, that whatever, and notice where that's at? Where is it living in your body? Mm -hmm. If we have not, like, shut our body down to where we can feel it. Right. Grounding is a tricky thing. And I find that it's really hard at times to teach grounding to those who are escapist because in my I mean this is not a clinical term this is a joshism escapist to me are those of us who are in a situation maybe feeling a certain way um, disappointment in this moment just because it's the top of my head But rather than feeling the disappointment, I will want to be happy. I will, like, 
make myself be all these things for everyone so that I don't have to feel my Mm -hmm. own disappointment. Avoidance is like more accurate clinical term, but sometimes I find that can be a little off-putting to people. So I'm like, you're an escaper. Like you are. Parts of you are. Yeah. And you or parts of you are seeking an exit from that feeling so that you don't have to be present to it because it sucks. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that even in brain spotting with an escape artist, that they will start feeling a certain type of way, whatever feeling or, or sensation is coming up for them, and they will start using coping skills they will try and talk themselves out of feeling Mm -hmm. that way they will rationalize with themselves that i shouldn't feel this way like i have all of these things like well what you're really doing is that part of you that doesn't want to feel it is looking for an exit because it sucks so that's an escapist to me yeah I can absolutely identify with the escapist piece. And so when that is happening, I think it is excruciatingly painful and difficult to look at the pieces if you're not used to feeling them. It's kind of like that excitement anxiety example that you gave. If I've only experienced anxiety, I don't know what excitement feels like with it. And so if I've only experienced sadness, but not sorrow, then there's a lot of fear. Like if I allow myself to go there, then what will happen? And I think that's a large part why I think that there can be a lot of power in labeling Mm. the doubts and labeling things. Because now we have something that we can in some ways start conceptualizing for ourselves, and it's not some elusive monster in a forest that's just this shadow we missed. Like, no, it's something. We can say that this is now a bear, and this is what we do when we see bears. Yeah, the escapist part of me says you run. (laughs) You don't, though. (laughs) I know. No, Josh, you run. Up a tree where they can get you. (laughs) no but yeah i mean but i also think that there are moments when labeling can be detrimental sure when we are over identifying with labels or we are using a label as a crutch or we are using that label in some way to justify behaviors and things like that, then I think that there's more work that needs to be done prior to actually being able to be in that space to label something. Yeah. But in a general sense, I do think that being able to label things can help. I mean, and one of the things that we talked about as we were kind of laying this out, like how emotions are the assumptions based on a felt sense Mm -hmm. and how we assume we are in an emotional state when really we are only sensing an emotion based on like our disappointment, the shame, the hurt, the doubt that lies connected to that felt sense. Yeah. 
So being able to truly label like what's going on, what am I sensing versus what am I emotionally feeling, mm-hmm. I think can help us start to untangle those knotted cords, I guess, between our felt sense and our emotions or our felt sense and our thoughts where I may be feeling disappointment and now I'm really angry because I don't want to feel disappointed and really I'm disappointed with myself. But if I be angry at you and make you accept the fact that it was your fault, I mean, because if you did do this or did this the right way, then I wouldn't be disappointed. And that disappointment now lies on you. Whereas if I were a little more honest with myself and labeling the fact that this is disappointment that I'm feeling, this isn't really anger. Yes, anger can completely accompany disappointment at times, but really what I'm feeling is hurt. Like, this is what I expected. Now, did I clearly explain that? (laughs) Or, I mean, whatever, but like, yeah. And I think there's like like a rule that comes up sometimes where we think we have to hold on to those emotions in order to have the memory or in order to capture the experience or in order to be justified. And like a therapy offering is that you don't have to hold on to those emotions. Right. You can move through them. And I think that is a foreign concept to a lot of us. It was a foreign concept to me before I started working in therapy. Well, I mean, from my own experience, like holding on to that stuff meant that it didn't happen again. Because I po- mm. I purposefully positioned myself in, in ways I thought where it wouldn't happen. Right. And then I got into control. And then when that those expectations weren't met, then it was a whole different set of circumstances and expectations and yeah. whatever. I think when we see people get stuck in that, like in, I've gotten stuck in that, we lose sight of what we intended. Yeah. And that keeps us from grounding. Right. And it keeps us from planting, like planting new ideas, new experiences, following passion, what we desire. Yeah. You stop trusting yourself. And I think that is the key part right there. Yeah, I don't trust myself to make these decisions anymore because I just keep getting disappointed. Right. And, and I think that's the thing with disappointment too. Like I feel disappointed. So now I raise my expectations for everybody that no, and nobody meets them. So I'm just constantly in this self-fulfilling prophecy of perpetual disappointment. Mm-hmm. Rather than actually dealing with the disappointment and recognizing that people are human and you could use that example for, for anything, feeling hurt, sad, alone. I would really encourage people to consider their translator, that translator from the felt sense into that emotion or that thought and working with what, what could be possible or what is possibly going on with me right now, which brings you back to that grounded space of being in your current reality I would encourage people to consider how you can walk yourself through identifying like whatever emotion you're experiencing or whatever thought is being brought up and seeing 
where you're actually feeling that within your felt sense experience. Because that can also help you ground instead of playing out the emotion or playing out the thought. And I think from there, I mean, it's a learning process to consider how you are translating the things unseen. And if you can get into a space where you're experiencing your felt sense, like where sensationally you're feeling it in, like in your body, then simply asking yourself or stating like, in this moment, I trust, and then name something that you trust. Like I trust that I'm disappointed, or I trust that I'm experiencing doubt, or I trust that I'm unsettled about something, or it could be I trust I'm taking the right step. I trust that things will come to fruition even if I don't see them. And I think in that process, you get to add to the intention of whatever you're trying to create. Abby, thanks for today. This was a really interesting topic. And as always, you can find us on our website at stillpointhealing.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Still Point Healing. You can reach out to us here at the podcast at So You Can Heal at StillPointHealing.com with any thoughts, questions, topic ideas. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Have a good one.